0: The Rural Health Voice, Episode 33, COVID-19. Welcome to The Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. How do you separate COVID facts from COVID fiction? Andrew Luskin epidemiologist for the Virginia Rural Health Association, joined me to share information that will help you make good decisions. So welcome, Andrew.
1: Hi, Beth. How are you?
0: Doing good. Of course, we haven't seen each other for almost two weeks, even though we work in the same office, because we are practicing social distancing.
1: That's right. Doing my best to stay away from you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how many people say that they've been told to stay away from the boss? How often does that happen? Not very. It's, it's your job to avoid me. There you go. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's just set the, set the stage with some basic terms. Tell me, what is epidemiology? Epidemiology.
1: Uh, Epidemiology is, um, broadly speaking, the study of disease at the population level. Um, Some folks call them disease detectives, uh, epidemiologists. Um, The best way to put it, though, is I think is the study of disease at the population level.
0: Great. And so as an epidemiologist, what is kind of your concept of a pandemic? They tell us COVID's a pandemic. It sounds like a really big thing. I don't know what that really means.
1: So a pandemic is a large geographic-scale epidemic. Uh, epidemics are when we see a high incidence of disease that we normally don't see. So right now we're seeing COVID-19, this novel coronavirus disease, um, at a very high incidence, and we're not used to that, so we're going to call that an epidemic. And now that it's traveled from China across to Europe, across the United States, that's when we start calling it a pandemic. It's a global epidemic.
0: And it, it spread so fast. I'm looking at my calendar and, you know, today it's the 21st of March. We had a board retreat on March 1st. At that point, we weren't talking about it at all. And then, like the later that week, we were saying, Oh, everybody wash your hands, wash your hands. And now we're talking social isolation for months. How, how did we go so far from? Telling people to wash your hands to everybody stay at home so quickly.
1: Yeah, the, this virus has moved fast. Um, The really scary thing about this virus um, is that the incubation period. We, as we know it right now is a range of about three to 14 days. So what that means is that the virus infects your body and it starts reproducing, and then you become infectious before you start showing symptoms. So that almost two weeks of infectivity, potentially, um, is two weeks where you don't know you have it, you're walking around doing your normal daily routine, uh, and potentially infecting others. So washing your hands is a very important step. Um, we should always be washing our hands We should always be um, being mindful of others uh, and getting others sick, especially the immunocompromised. But right now, it's important to not only wash your hands, but um, make sure you're avoiding doing things like touching your face. Um, The face has a lot of portals of entry to disease. The eyes, ears, uh, mouth and nose, those are all places where diseases can get in and infect you. Uh, So it's really important to not only wash your hands, but also do these extra measures.
0: Much of what we hear about COVID nineteen sounds so scary. Is is something as simple as hand washing really that effective?
1: Uh, yes, I I apologize for calling it a scary virus. Um, <laughs> I hate to I hate the fear monger, uh, but yes, washing your hands is effective as long as you're doing it correctly. So um, I remember in like kindergarten we had a whole day where the teacher was teaching us how to wash our hands and I was like this is so stupid I know how to wash my hands as like a seven-year-old or whatever Um, but this has really brought back that washing your hands is not as simple as putting soap and water on your hands for five seconds and walking out of the bathroom Um, it's important to scrub every part of your hand and Spend the twenty to thirty seconds doing it, uh, making sure to get your fingertips, your thumbs, all the nooks and crannies um so if you're doing it right, washing your hands is a great way to prevent uh transmission um, but again, the other things we have to keep in mind are the face touching that's again a lot of portals of entry to germs like the covid nineteen virus um and making sure to do other things like coughing and sneezing into your elbow. It's a great way of preventing other people from getting sick. It won't stop you from getting sick, but it's a it's a nice courteous thing for everybody else in our lives. Because
0: in this case, we don't want to share.
1: No, sharing is not caring right now. <laughs>
0: You know, anyone that watches the news or is active on social media is seeing a lot of information fly around about COVID-19. How do we separate fact from fiction?
1: Um, so I will start with where you can find facts. Uh, you can find facts at high-level health organization websites. That's a great place to go. Um, we want to avoid the spin of our... Um, Facebook and news sources. We want just facts. We can go to CDC.gov, WHO.int, uh, or for Virginia in particular, you can go to VDH.virginia.gov. Those places will give you statistics, facts, general how-tos for this, and uh, those are the, that's the best places to go. Those .gov and WHO.int sites. Um, it's important to remember that. The family and friends that we love so much uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and your other social media, um, they're sharing things because they're scared, they're freaked out, and they want to do their best to help others. Unless they are a health professional of some sort, take that with a grain of salt. Um, If you've got it in you... Go to one of those websites, cdc.gov, who.int, and see if they're saying similar stuff. And if they're not, you might want to um, disregard that information. Uh, For example, I had a cousin who shared something about, um, I think it was that the coronavirus stays dormant in your throat for four days before infecting you. Uh, So if you gargle salt water, it will be destroyed. Um, That is not true. If gargling salt water was an effective cure for this, we would all be a lot better off. Uh, But it is not. So that's the kind of information you want to double check, see if the CDC or the WHO is saying similar stuff, and, and you can go from there.
0: So also separating fact from fiction, I've seen many people make comments compared COVID-19 with the flu and the fact that we don't use these extreme measures during flu season. What's different about COVID-19?
1: This is a really interesting question, and we've seen this a lot, right? We've seen this in every level of um, our lives, from people in government to the people at the grocery store uh, chit-chatting. So the flu and COVID-19 are very different. We've had the flu for a very long time. We know the flu very well. Every year we create a vaccine for the flu. Um, lots of people still die from the flu. And that's, that's not something that the medical system is okay with. Uh, every year we try to do our best. The medical system tries to do their best. Um, by producing a vaccine that they think will will work and be effective, um, we have known treatments for the flu, like Tamiflu um, those can reduce the symptoms, and we know how to fight the flu in general um, during during uh pandemics like the two thousand and nine pandemic with swine flu h1n1 we were able to get a vaccine out rather quickly because of prior flu vaccines we've worked with that um i guess you could call it like a data set like the flu's data set the genetic uh variations we worked with those so often with our seasonal flu that we were able to get a vaccine out covid-19 is a novel coronavirus Coronavirus is a class of viruses. There's, I think, seven of them um, that cause varying degrees of illness. So four of these seven coronaviruses cause, like, your common cold. So they're not really a big deal. Then the other three are our COVID-19, which is also known as, um, well, COVID-19 is the disease. The virus is SARS-NCOV-2. So there's SARS-NCOV-2. There's SARS and there's MERS. Um, And what those are, are the more, um, more severe COVID coronavirus diseases. Uh, So when we're dealing with coronaviruses, we have SARS and MERS, and now we have uh, COVID-19. COVID-19 stands for coronavirus disease, uh, and the year 2019, which is when it was, first reported in China. Um, The big difference between the flu and COVID-19 is that we don't know much about COVID-19. We're about a year, year and a half away from a vaccine, according to the most uh, optimistic reports. We don't have a good cure for this. There's a lot of stuff going around about um, these malaria drugs that we're hoping could be a good treatment. um, But, That's not certain yet. So the other thing, besides not knowing much about COVID-19, the other thing that we have to account for is incubation period. That's what I was talking about where you're infectious, but you don't have symptoms. For the flu, the incubation period is about one to four days. Uh, And for this, we're thinking thinking three to 14 days, like 14 days is your... um, extreme end of two weeks of walking around being infectious, not knowing that you're sick. So that difference is pretty drastic. Uh, that's another 10 days where you can be spreading this without knowing. So that's very scary too. So even though flu is a major killer in the United States, um, we have a better understanding of it. We do not get, uh, We do not have as long a time of infectivity, uh, and we are able to control it a little bit better.
0: And that 10 days is a big difference. When I th- think about the number of places I go and the people I interact with, the 10 days. You know, that's thats 10 days of going to the grocery store, 10 days of being in the office, probably going to church, meeting up with friends, doing going to the movies, going out to restaurants. There, there's a lot of possibilities within that time range.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it just... Um... When, when epidemiologists go through the process of figuring out how one person got the disease, uh, they do a thing called um, contact investigation. Contact investigation is where you reach out to the people that have been in contact with that person with the disease uh, and in doing so are able to see maybe where they got it, who else has it. Um, it's a way of identifying where the disease is and where it could be going. So if you are out at trivia, then you go to church and then you're out at brunch, that's a lot of different potential contacts and potential cases. So that's another, um, scary thing about this is if, is that those 10 days of potential contacts, uh, that then the health department has to go and find and track and see how they're doing which is a huge burden on the healthcare system.
0: And something else you mentioned with that, that I want to make sure we point out to folks, there are some experiments being done, very early stage experience experiments being done with malaria drugs, but that does not mean that people should go out and try to use malaria drugs to treat or prevent COVID-19 Uh, One of the things that we've been seeing is people are are making a run on those medications, and there's now a shortage for those who have reasons to take those types of medications, such as people with lupus who are now facing shortage of their life-saving medications at a time when they need them the most.
1: The malaria drug uh, is experimental. It is supposed to be prescription only, and you're supposed to be getting that prescription um, when you have one of these diseases that it's proven to help and treat. Uh, If you're going out and getting those drugs because you're worried about coronavirus or getting COVID-19, that is a misuse of the drug in my opinion. I am not a doctor Um, and doctors should not be prescribing this to folks who do not have a, a, a disease that this is known to treat and help.
0: Now, we're hearing a lot about flattening the curve. What what does that mean? We're supposed to stay away from others, stay inside when necessary, and flatten the curve. I can tell you, sitting around my house does not flatten (laughs) any of my curves. Why are (laughs) we doing this?
1: Uh, So let's talk about what the curve is. Um, The curve is known as an epidemiological curve. It is the number of cases uh, over time. So that time could be a day. A month, a year. Um, It all depends on who's making that graphic. Uh, So right now, flattening the curve means that we are going to reduce the number of cases, number of people who are sick with this at one time. That is a a very important measure because um, we need the hospitals to be able to actually help people. Um, We are in flu season right now, so say you have a hospital uh, with 100 beds, and let's say 60 of those beds are regularly filled um, for typical stuff, for flu, uh, for whatever else is going around. Then, on top of that, you add in... 90 people who have COVID-19 because they really wanted to go to Floyd Fest. So they went to Floyd Fest and 90 people caught it. Now they are going to be uh, inundated that hospital with those cases. So we went from 60 normal, typical cases of, different ailments and diseases that are taking up 60 out of those 100 hospital beds. And then we tack on 90 COVID-19 cases, which brings us to 156 people. So those 156 people are not going to fit on those 100 beds. So if we can flatten the curve, reduce the number of people who get it at once, we can free up hospital uh, beds and healthcare system capacity.
0: Sure. And we're also hearing stories about there not being enough equipment for the, the health care providers, such as gloves and masks and gowns. So if, if we can reduce the number of cases that happen all at once, we're not going to max out those resources as well.
1: That's right. Exactly. Just reducing burden all around. All right. So,
0: what about the test kits? If I have symptoms, how can I get tested? When I hear there's a short as a
1: kits. Yes. So the test kits. Um, that's interesting because testing isn't the most important thing for most people. Whether or not you are a confirmed case for COVID-19 will not affect the way the healthcare system treats you right now. If you are an otherwise healthy individual, which is to say that if I went uh, to the doctor, I said, I have a fever, I have a really dry cough and I'm feeling short of breath all the time. Uh, They would probably say, it sounds like you have COVID-19. We could test you for flu. And if the flu comes back negative, we recommend that you quarantine for 14 days and have somebody else do things for you, like get your groceries or um, take care of your pets, stuff like that. Um, So it doesn't, it wouldn't change the recommendation right now if you were a confirmed positive test or no test was done.
0: So in this way, it's sort of similar to the flu in that if I'm throwing up, I don't need a doctor to tell me to stay home. I can make the decision to stay the heck home and not infect others and have, you know, get my husband to wait on me hand and foot. I don't necessarily need a test to confirm that I'm sick. I know I'm sick unless it's to the point where my fever is so high that it's dangerous. I can just make the decision to stay home.
1: Right. Exactly. If you are having a severe response, go to the hospital. 100% of the time. Um, But if you have a fever of 101 um, and you're coughing, it's probably best as an otherwise healthy individual to stay home. And like you said, get your husband to wait on your hand and foot. and Make sure that you're treated well and that you're not overexerting yourself. Rest in fluids.
0: Lay on the couch. Absolutely. So with laying on the couch, we've been told to do social distancing, With that, what activities are safe? You know, I I live in rural Virginia. My closest neighbor is a quarter mile away. Can I go outside? How does this work?
1: Yes, this is a great time to be outside and away from people. Um, I think that living rural right now is a a huge benefit. Um, You can take walks as long as you're not in a large group. Um, it's a really good way to get exercise in your routine right now because the gyms are closed and, you know, we don't want people rushing to the drill field at Virginia tech to run laps together. Um, so taking walks outside, being outside in general is fine. Be outside on your property, enjoy the good weather when we have it. Um, feel free to do things like that. There's a lot of fear about, um, this number uh, floating around that the COVID-19 virus survives three hours in the air. Um, I think that that would be generally more of a problem on like airplanes, where you have recycled air going through the cabin the whole time. Um, out and about in the, in the world, there's constant airflow. Um, the risk associated with being outside right now is pretty low. Uh, I was actually just listening to the district epidemiologist here uh, on a Facebook live feed, which is pretty cool. And he said that right now, you know, if you're an otherwise healthy adult, go outside and play uh, Ultimate Frisbee with your friends while you can, um, because the, the risk while you're outside is pretty low. Um, obviously, you don't want to play ultimate Frisbee with somebody who is hacking up a lung. Um, You don't want to get close to that person, but kind of follow those kind of common sense guidelines. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a really nice time to be out and about. Don't go hiking with six other people, go hiking with your family members. That's fine. Uh, Enjoy your time outside. Um, But again, this is a great time to be living rural about, uh, I guess a year ago, uh, I was living in Pittsburgh in a 300-square-foot apartment with my girlfriend. And I do not know how I would have done this when I was living in Pittsburgh. I, I think that I would have had to go home, go see my parents.
0: Now, we can all do social distancing, staying away from each other. But with that, I'm worried about isolation, especially for our elders, How can we work to stay connected to one another when casual contact is so limited?
1: Yeah. Isolation is, is troublesome, Uh, especially for older, older folks in our community. Um, It seems like there's already these like pockets of groups popping up on Facebook and stuff like that, where people are volunteering to deliver groceries to elders in the community. Um, People have been really good about uh, coming together, I think, right now. And I think that's a really great aspect of these rural communities. They really know how to pull together. Um, And I think we've seen that here through the use of technology, which has only helped. Um, When we're in isolation, I've been spending a lot of time talking to my friends on the internet over these voice chats. There are a million different ways to do that. You and I are talking right now on a podcast uh, application program, which is really cool. You sound crystal clear, and I hope I do as well. Uh, So there's a lot of ways to stay in touch with each other without having to be with each other. I know it's not quite the same as going and having a coffee with your friend, but it's, it's a good way of keeping yourself from losing your mind stuck at home.
0: Andrew, in addition to isolation, many people are feeling anxious and depressed with all of this uncertainty. How can we care for our emotional health?
1: Yeah, right now, it uncertainty is a good word for it. Um, we don't really know when this will end. We don't have a great you uh, not have a great timeline for. How severe this will be. Um, you see places like New York city already over 16,000 cases, which is more than most European countries. Um, I think if we took New York out as a separate entity from the United States, it would rank like eighth in number of cases. Um, so you see that in just a couple of weeks and it worries you about how this is going to spread in the rest of the United States. Um, I think that an important thing to do right now is to take care of yourself in as many ways as you can, uh, you know, making sure to reach out to other people when you're feeling, uh, you know, anxious or depressed, making sure that other people know that you're out there and that you're willing to talk, uh, if you're not feeling those feelings, but worried about a friend or a family member, uh, now is the best time to pick up your phone. We are no longer paying for minutes on cell phones. You can use those to your heart's content. Uh, so definitely do that. Uh, people are, people are more reachable than ever nowadays. Um, video, video calls are really great. Uh, a lot of people know about Skype and FaceTime. There are other options too, that you can explore. These are free things, um, that put you face to face with your loved ones, which is really important right now as well. Um, and yeah, whatever else whatever else uh, is able to keep you feeling in control. Um, one of my favorite things to do for that is to cook. Cook for myself. It uh, gives you a sense of control and certainty. I know what I'm making. I feel good about it. It's a stress reliever for me. And that's that's one great way for me to help myself in this kind of thing. So give a friend a call, cook my dinner, and that makes me feel a little bit better about the world.
0: Sounds lovely. Well, thank you for joining us today, Andrew.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure.
0: That's Andrew Luskin encouraging everyone to reach out to others, but do it virtually. VRHA has a wide variety of resources for COVID-19 on our website. Just go to vrha.org and click the buttons on the main page. Now here's a message from our trusted friends at the CDC. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Stay at home and away from other sick people except for medical care clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you.